Hey, everybody, this is Ryan Dempster, and you're listening to Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Chad, welcome back, my friend. We've been keeping the seat warm for you, and it seems like it's just perfect timing because it was chilly on opening day, so I'm sure you're wanting to come inside and warm up a little bit. It's good to have you back on this opening day episode of the Friendly Confines. It has, it's been good. It's good to be back. And, and yeah, I'm still falling out. Opening day uh, 2021 was frigid. It was not freezing, not technically, but pretty darn close. Yes, we're going to get into all that. Plus, we're going to talk about some big news regarding the Major League Baseball All-Star Game and Anthony Rizzo not signing a contract before opening day. What sort of repercussions will that have on this team? Plus, we'll discuss the back end of the bullpen and how that will look for the Chicago Cubs. Plus, we've already got some COVID news. We'll talk about that and the implications on the schedule. Um, And once again, we say this every week, Rhino, but we've got another blockbuster guest. We have the brand new TV voice and face of the Chicago Cubs on the Marquee Network, Luke Scamby. He is joining us in the seventh inning stretch. That is uh, one you're not going to want to miss. The Friendly Confines podcast starts right now. He's Ryan Lieber. I'm Chad Gordon. Welcome to the Friendly Confines. Let's start off in the first inning, and Rhino Baseball is... So, no delays. COVID uh, hasn't uh, affected things. Uh, Everything started off as planned, with a little bit of delay, I guess, in spring training, but opening day as scheduled. What's your take as baseball begins? It's almost like... A religious holiday, right, Chad? Everybody gets excited. People are always saying, hey, it's a special day, opening day. It is uh, something that is always near and dear to our hearts. However, it did open with a little bit of a thud, but it was still fun to see basically all the Major League Baseball teams start their seasons off, uh, some in the snow, some in nicer weather. But regardless, we were able to get things started, and we are ready for 162 games. I think we're ready for some normalcy, um, to say the least, to seeing fans back in the stands, to seeing the players back in the ballpark, and to play a full 162 games, which is what we so would love to see more than anything after what we saw last year in an abbreviated season. So I'm excited to get baseball back because Baseball, technically, from start to finish in 2021, is really the first sport, uh, if you will, to get started this year, so to speak. Um, The NBA carries over from the 2020 season. So for me, um, I'm excited that this is an opportunity to see uh, baseball back and to have uh, regular season baseball being played for 162 games. What about you? I mean, you know, you think back to when they restarted the season last summer and what that meant to so many people and and the fact that here we are opening day as planned, as scheduled. Um, yeah, I've got I'm excited. You know, Pat Hughes is going to be in my ear for the next half year, you know, so the, so that normalcy, you know, it's this is a part of my life. This is a part of so many people's day to day, you know, is just watching the games, listening to the games, checking out the highlights, reading the box scores, things like that. So. Couldn't be more excited. It's starting to feel a bit normal, obviously not normal in the, in the ballpark experience, um, but just so glad that it's back and, and knowing that um, it's going to be, you know, a part of our day to day. 
uh, and hopefully uh, it's going to get more and more normal as the summer goes on. All right. So let us move on now to the second inning. And uh, as we mentioned, it was opening day and it was opening day at Wrigley Field. It was cold. It was not pretty. But Chad, you were there for once again, another opening day. I don't know how many in a row this was for you. But I know, be it that uh, you are not going to miss an opening day and you were there, I would love to hear a firsthand account of what it was like for you being at Wrigley Field for the first time in 557 days where they allowed fans back into the ballpark. It it was pretty special. I mean, it really was. It was when you think about, um, you know, how how privileged it felt to be able to be there i mean there are millions of people and despite the cold wanted to be there a lot of cubs fans wanted to be there but only you know only uh you know less than ten thousand tickets sold with you know with the uh the bleachers going to the 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 healthcare workers which i think was a nice thing they did um it was great to be there it was weird you know it really was weird i can't recall even when the cubs absolutely stunk and it was like a daytime game i can't recall seeing a game from start to finish that had such a you know a sparse crowd i mean it really 25 percent capacity was looked it was a lot less than i think because of the weather as, as well because it kept some people away but it was frigid i had top layer i think i had seven layers and then bottom layer i had some great great socks but then three layers underneath my my jeans so it was all about uh, survival mode um but yeah the product on the field wasn't fantastic two hits for the cubs um and you, you're going to want to see more as as the the the, the next two series or the, this series wraps up in the next series um against the brewers but you know all the, you know, it was opening day. All the bunting was there, all the flags, you know, you know, all the pomp and circumstance, but it was, it was not like opening day. It, it, the Wrigleyville wasn't buzzing. People weren't lining up um, around the corner. It was, it was a small select group. And be, I think because of the weather, a, a lot of other people stayed away, but it was special to be there. Nothing, especially the weather is going to keep me away from that. More power to you on this, Chad. Obviously uh, I, even if I were offered tickets, I don't think I would have gone uh, because watching baseball, in my opinion, in cold weather uh, is very unappealing to me. And it's part of the reason (laughs) why I live in South Florida. Now, granted, you live in a warm environment as well. But I uh, yeah, I don't do cold games anymore. I'm not. uh, You're soft. You're soft. Yeah, I have. I've gotten soft. (laughs) I'm I'm readily able to admit that. Um, I felt like watching the Cubs game, at least the highlights, uh, looks like you were at a Bears game and in December. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I just feel like we're, it's April 1st. And uh, when is it going to warm up? Now, I'm all in, buddy. When this uh, becomes June or July, uh, you know, then I'm, I'm feeling much better about going to a baseball game because that's what a baseball game to me is all about. Going, enjoying the weather. And yes, I bet the energy is probably not the same, not having 40,000 fans there compared to 8,200 fans um, or 10,000 fans for that matter. So it's, it's certainly um, a different dynamic, but I'm hoping that as the uh, year goes on, we started to see an increase in not just the weather ticking up, but the amount of people going in as well. And and that to me will really uh, be when it starts to feel like baseball again. Yeah, it, it was it certainly was special. It certainly was cold, but I, I'm glad I was there because, uh, you know, it's normalcy is, is upon us. Let's hope so. Let's move on to the third inning. And there was talk that uh, 
Anthony Rizzo, one of the people that is going into their contract year, that uh, a deal might get done, and 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 perhaps even a press conference, some pop, you know, some other pop and circumstances where the the Cubs could control the narrative a little bit and and do a big signing. But opening day came and went, and Anthony said he doesn't really want to negotiate during the season. Among the others, what did you think? Was that a miss, or do you feel like the Cubs uh, management is doing the right thing? Well, I mean, with everything that has gone on this off season, Chad, that has just left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. This could have been something going into opening day that fans could have been like, hey, we have our, you know, 21st century Mr. Cub signed on board for at least the next five years. But then you look at what they offered Rizzo and you just sit there and go, oh, here we go again. I mean, this is such a Cubs move that we have been seeing over the past year from this organization when it comes to how they're dealing with their players. And and it's just... Again, it, it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know how this is going to end up. Now, Jed Hoyer did come out and say that he has absolutely no doubt he will sign Anthony Rizzo and he will be a part of this Cubs organization. But until he signs on the dotted line, Chad, quite frankly, I'm skeptical. And, and to tell you the truth, I really don't know if Anthony Rizzo, I, I'm sure Anthony Rizzo wants to be a Cub, but I'm sure he also wants to feel like he's getting paid. And people say you don't get paid on past performance. But Anthony Rizzo is not lacking in any areas where his average or his home runs or his RBIs have dipped. He's still hitting the ball extremely well. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I, I just find it to be a little bit of an insult to what the Cubs did and, and how they offered him that contract. But hopefully they can get it straightened out. Now, what about you? You know, I've got a different take on this, and I, I'm thinking about all the guys, all of the guys that are in their contract year. You know, there, there's all the dis- discussion about, you know, uh, extend Baez and, you know, sign Chris, you know, all the different things out there, and Anthony as well. I think, you know, if this team had won multiple titles, I think these contracts would have been signed. I think – I actually think this is a smart move by the free the front office to basically say, prove it this year. This is our last year together as a core potentially – you guys are playing for a contract, so get paid more money um, and, and prove it on the field. So I think it doesn't really benefit the Cubs front office to make this move. It might make the fans feel better. Um, it might honor some of the players, you know, to be able to do that. But they're all under contract for this year and they're all going to get paid, uh, you know, for their performances and for the contract they signed in the past. So I think I think the Cubs maybe are giving each of these players the opportunity to keep their foot on the gas um, and come out and and try to play for the biggest contract that they can they could uh they could have and if you think about it i mean imagine all these contract guys having contract years this cubs team could be pretty fabulous if that's the case so that's my take on that and and who knows um if if any deals are going to get done this year if they're going to have any or if they truly are going to wait until the offseason and they all go to free agents the more people that are unsigned chad the harder it can be to sign all of them once the season is up but we will have to see how it plays out fourth inning now chad and an interesting move for david ross in the rotation we talked about the rotation on the front end how as we saw kyle hendricks jake arietta and uh tyler williams are going to be the top three and then um, in the back end, now Albert Azale is taking the five spot, moving Alec Mills uh, to the bullpen. Excuse me, Zach Davies is the three, Tyler Williams is the four, and Azale gets the five spot over Alec Mills, who, of course, as we remember, pitched the game of the year for the Cubs, pitching a no-hitter against the Brewers. Um, what do you think of this move with Azale now the number five starter as opposed to Mills? The only thing I can think of is, 
upside for Adzale being the young starter and two uh, being a lefty. But what, what's your take on, on Adzale getting the fifth and final spot in the rotation? I think you nailed it. I think you want to have the lefty up there. He's the young guy. He's the guy that they've been projecting that's going to slot in, not at the end of the order, but actually towards the middle of the order. And so it's time. It's time for him to step up, and it's time to see if Cubs pitching development team, if, if they, they've done their job and, and have allowed him to to kind of you know slot in. It was It, it is so surreal. You know, Alec Mills came in and kind of a, a more of a hold role. It wasn't a mop up role uh, on opening day, but he came in, you know, just kind of uh, as, as a relief, you know, kind of a longer relief. Um, and you're right. The game of the year last year. And, and it just shows how fickle baseball can be sometimes that a guy that will go down in history in Cubs history um, with a no hitter um, can't even make the, the starting rotation. So I think this is a youth movement. I think it's a lefty situation. You mentioned Jake Arrieta. I, I forgot to mention that the, the roar for him was unparalleled when they announced um, the teams um, pregame. Uh, nobody got a bigger roar than when they announced Jake's name. And that's including Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, I believe it. I'm sure. And yeah, to your point, I mean, listen, Azalea has been, you know, kind of baddied about the last couple of seasons as a guy who's, Got to take that role and step up, as you mentioned. I don't have a problem with it. I, I understand the Cubs need a different look in the rotation with a lefty at the back end. So I, I, I don't hate it. I hate it for Alec Mills only because, as you said, I mean, here's a guy who I felt like earned the opportunity to start in the rotation. Now, that's not to say that we may not see Alec Mills start this year because, as we know, there, there might be situations where the Cubs might start a guy here or there, and, and you would assume it. It has to be Alec Mills, and he would be a guy if somebody went down. He would be the guy to plug into the rotation. So I think Alec Mills is going to be kind of like the Tyler Chatwood of this team from last season, a guy who can spot start, who can come out of the pen, um, someone who you're going to have to rely on. So, yeah, I mean, he could end up being a very valuable piece of the puzzle when it's all said and done. Um, but certainly I'm going to keep my eye on Adzale and, and see how he responds and what is going to be his first full year of being in a starting rotation and how uh, that's going to come out for him. So let's move on to the next inning and uh, Rhino a little bit of concerns. We talked about, Hey, it's 162 game season. We talked about how great it's being back, but already we've had a postponement right on opening day, the nationals and the Mets games postponed because of COVID. Um, It's, I think it was a lot easier to kind of make up some of these games when you could kind of, you know, uh, make it up as you, as you went along and you didn't have fans in the stands last season. Does this bode, uh, is this a, a, like, this is, is this a concern for you that, that, uh, that we're potentially going to see these, these situations spring up throughout the season and, and what would be the implications if several teams have to um, start postponing games? Yeah. I mean, listen, hopefully we don't see too many of them. It, it could certainly very much happen. Um, and you hate to see it on opening day, as you said. I mean, right out of the gate, the Mets and the Nats series has already been canceled and there's no talk of them making up games. You'd have to think that they're going to try very hard to make up as much as they can, if possible, um, you know, where they have, um, you know, some open dates, whatnot. But, yeah, you know, listen, it, it, this is the world we live in. And, I mean, there's certainly going to be times where we're going to see cancellations of games as much as, there's more people getting the vaccine and as much as we're seeing, um, you know, better, uh, you know, ways to uh, combat the virus and using safety protocols, uh, not everything is foolproof. So with that being said, while unfortunate, 
Um, you know, I, I certainly think it's something we're, we're just going to have to get used to seeing. And, and there's going to be plenty of times where we're going to see PPD for, for games and series because of what's going on with COVID-19. What about yourself? Well, yeah, yeah. So the series is canceled. So the Mets actually will open up their series Monday in Philly. I'm not really sure when the Nationals are going to start their their uh, season. I don't know how this can happen and a full season works itself out. I I'm confused. Um, it, it's either going to have to be a series of double headers. Or they're going to have to figure some things out. But then health and health and safety becomes a, a bigger factor in this. I think you know we're going to talk a little bit more about vaccines and things a little bit later on in the show. But I'll just share that. I think that they need to get a handle on this. And if this happens multiple times, we're going to, you know, they may have to shorten the season. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you solve this because this is a jam packed schedule from the 1st of April into October. There's not a lot of off days. There's not opportunities to make, make things up. And so um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch, but if we have multiple teams that, uh, that, that, uh, that drop down like this, it is absolutely going to cause havoc. Um, as we go further and further in. All right, so let's uh, start the sixth inning now, Chad. And some big news coming out of Major League Baseball. They announced they're going to be moving the 2021 All-Star Game out of Atlanta in response to a new Georgia law that has civil rights groups concerned about its potential to restrict voting access for people of color. Uh, This also will include the 2021 MLB draft and uh, the All-Star festivities. So in a statement... Commissioner Rob Manfred said the league is finalizing a new host city and details about these events will be announced shortly. A source told uh, somebody from ESPN that the 2022 All-Star Game is still being planned at Dodger Stadium in L.A. That site won't be moved up to fill the void. So it looks like they will just find a new venue. Um, I mean, I don't know where it could be anywhere for, for that matter, but. Um, you know, maybe New York's a spot, but Chad, hearing this news, uh, what, what's your reaction? I think we're past the point where, and, and this is still a hot button issue. This is still a third rail for a lot of people. We're, we're past the point of just, you know, shut up and play, um, sports players, um, uh, teams, they have a voice and this is a situation where they're using that voice and they're standing up for what they believe to be true. And so I think it's, it's very similar to the situation with the NBA in Charlotte when they made some moves as well. Um, and I think that's, that's all they can do at this point is, 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 is use the power of, of not supporting, um, a, a city and a state, um, that, uh, that rather uh, the state that is, uh, that has made a decision that, that is ha- going to have reverberations um, um, in society. And so I think they, they uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a smart move. Um, it's a bold move. And I think for again, for those that say, just play the game, you know, nobody asked you, these athletes are part of, of society and, and, and you don't have to be asked if you want to take a stand, they're taking a stand. Yeah. I mean, listen, you got to hit them where it hurts, right. Uh, especially to take a stand, as you mentioned, I think you, you, put this so eloquently um you know look baseball is a huge draw and the all-star game is obviously a huge money maker for whichever city it goes to um fans tourists they come in from all over the country um all over the world for that matter they stay at hotels they eat at restaurants so this is a huge huge uh amount of money that is now going to be lost in the state of georgia because of something like this so I think this is a wake-up call, as you said, um, as we saw with the NBA, like you mentioned with Charlotte, that, you know, look, like, 
they will not stand for certain behaviors. And if so, it is going to end up with consequences. And that's what we're seeing now. So I'm, I'm curious to see where the All-Star game would be. Um, I'm being certainly biased. I would love to see it in Chicago this year. Maybe the Cubs can host it. I, I haven't seen an All-Star game at Wrigley since uh, 1990. It would be amazing for it to come back to Chicago. So, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it's going to be really neat to see where they end up. But um, I give baseball a lot of credit for taking a stand on this and uh, having the ability to uh, control the narrative and to uh, make their voices heard, as you mentioned. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. And of course, we pride ourselves so much on the great guests that we get, but we have a blockbuster of a guest for our opening day episode. He is the new TV voice for the Marquee Sports Network of the Chicago Cubs. It is our honor and pleasure to welcome John Boog Shambi to the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. Boog, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get the season going. No, we are so excited for you to be calling games this season on the Marquee Sport ne- Sports Network. I'm curious, Boog, because of all the things that have happened in this offseason with the Cubs, and then we get the news of you signing on to be the new TV voice of the team. Uh, it, it has been overwhelming how amazing it's been. And you, knowing Chicago as well as you do, even though – you know, you're a New Yorker at heart, but you have spent so much time in Chicago. You know the city, but you know also how people are provincial and they really are very, you know, careful about who they bring in. It, it has been a no brainer. People have been so welcoming and so excited about you being the new voice of this team. I'm just curious what that has meant to you from the people you have talked to in the community, the players, the city and, and what that's been like so far as we get ready for the season. It's been really flattering and really humbling. Um, Look, I understand it. This is one of the signature franchises in all of sports, not just baseball. And, you know, the first day that they introduced me, I said baseball matters on the north side of Chicago. It's one of the I love baseball and I love fan bases where it's important. And I'm now a part of one. And. Yeah, I, I, I felt really welcomed uh, with open arms and kind of overwhelmed by it. And I'm grateful. And, you know, look, I'm going to try and do me. And as much as I've spent a lot of time in Chicago the last 25 years that I've been doing this job, I'm also not going to try and fake it as if I know everything about this city or this franchise so i'm gonna learn as i go but i'm you know excited to become a real part of this community so it's been it's been really cool and overwhelming and honestly unexpected uh to the level that it's been well i know you've done the circuit and you've been so gracious with your time on podcasts and radio and tv is there anything that you have gotten that you maybe didn't realize or learn about anything when it comes to the city or the team or the people that you've talked to that you're like, Oh, wow, that's, that's pretty cool doing all these interviews that you've done. That's a good question. You know, nothing, nothing really sort of strikes off the, off the top of my head. I think I'm, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sort of tiptoe through it, not, uh, not sprint through it, you know, and take it all in and be self-aware and be aware of my surroundings. So nothing is, nothing jumps out in answer to that question, but I, I would say that it would be an interesting one, you know, to revisit midway through the season and then at the end of the season, because my guess is that I would have a better answer for you. You can find Boog on Twitter at Boog He's obviously an amazing to check him out there. Um, Boog, you said you're taking the time to obviously take this all in. And I, I know when you, you hear the names like Jack Brickhouse and Harry Carey and Chip Carey, who I know you worked with, and uh, Len, obviously, who's a close friend of yours. You know, you are in a short list of people who are the TV voice of the Cubs. When you kind of hear those names and, and you're a part of that, it, it's a fraternity that now you're forever a part of. What, what does that mean to you? Yeah, it's pretty special. I mean, look, when you're talking about, you know, Hall of Famer broadcasters and, you know, Hall of Fame caliber broadcasters in in Lane Casper, you know, those are those are big footprints before me. So I don't know that that part of it has totally struck me yesterday. So, so far, we've done five spring training games. I've done two from Arizona with the crew back in Chicago. I've done two from the Marquee Studios. And then I did one the other day with Ryan Dempster from Wrigley. But we were on the top portion of the broadcast booth. I don't think that any of this is really going to resonate with me um, until I call that game on opening day. And then I think, again, that that type of stuff will you know, will kind of wash over me. But even still, you know, trying to think of, I mean, Len was here for 16 years, he called the Cubs. So, um, you know, hopefully I get a chance to to do it that long and, and maybe then some, but I, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty special that the group they've had as broadcasters here. You brought up your friend Len Casper, who you worked together, obviously, with the Marlins, and now it's kind of come full circle. I'm curious. I, I know you've – I've heard bits and pieces, but I don't know if this question has specifically been asked to you. You're tight with Len. You have an amazing relationship with David Ross. You have a very good relationship with Rick Sutcliffe. I'm curious when this all came together, was there ever conversations or text messages you had with any of the three to talk to them and say, hey, listen, th- this could happen. What do you think? Like, is this is this a move I should make? I- I'm just curious if that was ever something that, that happened between any of those So, I mean, I guess kind of, you know, one at a time, but I, I the way it's, it started was I had spoken to Len, you know, just Len and I are friends. So he had told me what he was, you know, thinking about doing and the reasons for it and Look, I get it. You know, I've gotten a chance to be the TV voice locally for a team with the Braves, the radio voice locally for a team with the Marlins. And then I've been calling the playoffs nationally on ESPN radio since 2005. And for all the great stuff that Len's gotten a chance to do, he's not going to call a playoff game. You know, one of the aspects of calling – local TV is that once your season is over, even if your team wins 115 games, you're over. You don't get to call anymore. And that's a bummer and it's hard. And also Len has sat into the grub listening to Ernie. Well, he certainly 
a love affair with doing it on the radio. You know, we went over his portion of it, and I was really more interested in my friend being happy. And then he eventually it happened. You know, it looked like it was something he's interested in. It looked like it might happen, then probably wouldn't happen, and then maybe it would happen, and then probably not. And then, hey, this is really going to happen. And then even when that happened, that was that. And, and then he and I didn't really chat about it. And I had people asking me if I would be interested. I didn't, I, as odd as it sounds, I, I didn't sit with it until I was really asked to sit with it, until the marquee people and the Cubs people called me and said, you know, we're interested. Are you interested? And and then as I really you know, engaged on it and thought about all that this job has to offer. Because let me pause and say, at least in terms of what my gig has been on ESPN, one of the things that I really like is getting a chance to call both TV and radio. You know, most years with ESPN, I'm calling 30 to 35 TV games, 35-ish, you know, last year plus the playoffs on TV. And then I'm calling, you know, 50 radio games that includes I've done the all-star game on national radio every year since 2010 and I pulled the playoffs so getting to do both plus some college basketball it's a good gig so I just I hadn't found my gig to be lacking in any way but I decided you know take the time and think about it and then as I really started to think about it and and just take it all in and you know I'd never thought about I've done so many games at Wrigley Field. I've never really thought about, well, what would it be like to be the home guy? Because that's been Len's job, really. The whole, you know, So I just never contemplated. And when I did, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, this could be really special. And then, yes, um, I'm not an efficient question answer, long-winded as hell. Anyway, but then, yes, I asked David Ross. <laughs> I asked Rick Sutcliffe. I asked uh, Len Casper. Um, what do you think? I think I'm interested in this. And, and, and then we had conversations about it for sure. And our thanks to Boog Shambi, the voice of the Marquee Sports Network. And of course, you can see Boog on all the Cubs telecasts throughout the season where he will be broadcasting the games. Appreciate his time. That is part one of our interview. So be sure to stay tuned for part two. And you can find Boog at Boog Shambi on Twitter. So be sure to follow him there as well. And of course, you can find Chad and myself on Twitter. I'm at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. And don't forget about our Facebook page, the Friendly Confines Facebook page, the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. We are always excited to hear from you. Please make sure to join us. And we would love to hear your thoughts on what's going on. And don't forget, we have a website as well, which is kind of fun. So we've got new blog posts. So we're going to start building it. You're going to see more and more as the season goes on. Go to theconfines.com. That is theconfines.com. If you go to the very bottom of that opening page, um, you can sign up for the newsletter that'll let you know when there's new posts, new podcasts, uh, any sort of new content. But we're excited about it. It's your one-stop shop if you want to see um, current and previous uh, podcasts. And we're excited about what is to become as yep. we uh, build that out. Yeah, it's going to be some great stuff that we're moving toward. And we also have some other exciting news that we can talk about as well. 
Chad and I are going to be starting a live video version of the Friendly Confines, and we will talk more about that in an upcoming episode, but be sure to check us out there uh, once that is all said and done, too, as we begin the eighth inning, Chad. And of course, so much talk about the vaccine and who is getting it and when people can receive it. But there's some chatter, Chad, about maybe allowing baseball players or athletes in general to potentially jump the line and be able to get vaccinated. So there are no issues like cancellations and postponements of baseball games like we have already seen in just uh, the opening day of baseball. So I ask you this, would you be okay as a fan if baseball players so to speak, jumped ahead of uh, the average Joe to get vaccines so they can play baseball and not have to worry about any of these issues when it comes to COVID-19. I say yes, and, and, and I think we'll have a lot of people that will disagree with that. Why should they be entitled to be able to do that? But it, we're talking about, you know, hundreds and hundreds of players, um, not millions of people, right? And, and uh, I think the reason I say that is because I think, you know, baseball, sports, uh, in general, are so important to our sanity, are so important to our entertainment, are so important to, you know, to our day to day that uh, it's, it's just it's worth the, the effort um, so that there isn't issues and there isn't any concerns and we have the ability to watch games. Um, and I would say that for all the sports, I would say that for, you know, college level sports as well. I think that uh, um, people that are in a situation where um, they are a part of the public domain and, uh, and, and are needed um, to, to stay healthy, um, I say go for it. I wouldn't mind delaying a day. I mean, the good news is the plans out of Washington is for um, all of America um, to basically have access to this um, by the summer, you know, in the next couple of months. So jump ahead, you know, get, get a couple thousand doses out there to uh, the players and, uh, and, and give them that peace of mind so they can go out and do their job, which is what we're all excited to be watching. What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm in agreement with you. This is a billion-dollar industry we're talking about, right? And and it's not just necessarily about the players, per se, because, yes, I'm in favor of it, and I'll tell you why. Because it's not necessarily the players that, you know, are obviously you're watching them, and they're the obvious reason, but what about the vendors who then will be able to work more or the people who take your tickets or the ushers? Like there are thousands upon thousands of people, Chad, that are just average people that go and depend on baseball teams running because if because of the players getting the vaccine. So that is where my head's at. I'm more in favor of because if the players get vaccinated, there are so many of a do- there's so much of a domino effect after that that allows people like you and I who have smaller scale positions but rely on that income so much more that will be able to work every day because players will be vaccinated and they'll be able to have baseball on a regular basis and there won't be cancellations or we won't have 60 game seasons. We'll be able to play baseball to the fullest extent like we have seen in the past. So for that reason, that is why I'd want to see the players get vaccinated. It's because there are all the little people that make and create the game experience the vendors, the ticket brokers, the ushers, the people that work for the organization. Those are the people that I want to make sure are getting paid and employed. And if the players don't get vaccinated and they don't play, those people suffer. So that is why I want to see that happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
first responders, uh, doctors, nurses, they are essential. Uh, the elderly, essential. Uh, people with pre-existing, essential. I think sports, I believe it's essential. So, yeah, give them the opportunity. I like that. So let's move on to the ninth inning. And, and so for those that have been listening to the podcast for a while, for a while those that, that know me, remember that famous video um, twice, right before the Rajay Davis home run and then right before Zobris double heard around the world in game seven. That was me at uh, at Wrigley with or at at, at uh, in Cleveland with my buddy Edgar Rico, uh, and I I bring Edgar up because I was at opening day with Edgar yesterday. Same guy I was at Game Seven with, and we had a discussion as we typically do because that's what baseball is all about. And we talked about our favorite opening day memories, and and it really and we we that dubbed, dubbed into our favorite you know top ten games we've ever seen, things like that. So I'll pose that question to you, Ryan. What is a favorite opening day memory that you have? Well, for me, it's very easy. I went to opening day 2018 down in Miami, Marlins and Cubs. And the first pitch of the 2018 season, Ian Happ goes deep. And the Cubs went on to win the game 8-4. to four. I went with a buddy of mine who had VIP tickets, and we were able to sit close to the dugout. We had a really cool experience where we met Derek Jeter beforehand, who is the president and CEO of the Miami Marlins. Um, so that to me was awesome because not only did I get to, as I mentioned before, enjoy baseball in a uh, lovely 80 degree weather, uh, but it was opening day and the Cubs crushed it. And uh, it was a really, really exciting uh, time for me to get to go. And I will mention that is literally the only opening day I have uh, ever been to. So uh, I'm excited to be able, well, actually I take that back. It's the only opening day I've ever been to as a fan. So if I can backtrack, I was able to cover the Cubs on opening day when I was a sportscaster uh, in the Quad Cities. I went to opening day in 2001 and 2002. But to to put this in perspective really quickly, Chad, um, 2001, what we did was, is we would go, to BP, because you could go on the field and get video, I would get video of all the players doing BP and get my B-roll because you couldn't shoot video of the actual game. And then the players and the manager would all have interview sessions prior to. And I would literally get there early in the morning, get batting practice, get my interviews, and then, no joke, pack up, drive back to the station three <laughs> hours, put together an opening day package and then afterwards, they would like, of course, run the game highlights. But that was my experience of opening day, which if you think about it, it's kind of a creative way to go. Um, so, yeah, that was my opening day experience. So I, I didn't actually get to stay for the game, but I was on the field. and got to interview Sammy Sosa. And my favorite story that I got to do in 2002 uh, was Ryan Lieber meets John Lieber, uh, as I got to interview him for a story. And that was kind of a lot of fun as well. Uh, with one of the stories I got to do. So those were my those were my two opening days when I worked and then my opening day as a fan. So those would be my favorite ones. How about yourself? Rhino, right there, you just described to the masses why you, neither you nor I are still in the media because that is sounds like a miserable day. And uh, <laughs> that's why we don't <laughs> want to do that. It's fun just to watch it as a fan and enjoy it and, and have the podcast and do fun things like this. So for me, it was, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've seen 
uh, season openers on the road for the Cubs. I've seen home openers, um, pretty much most of the home openers um, for the last couple of decades uh, uh, in Wrigley. Uh, and I've even been able to see season openers in, in L.A. when the Cubs weren't playing or, or San Diego when the Cubs aren't playing, um, you know, because of proximity. Um, you know, so I, 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 I like those. I like those special opportunities that, you know, that you, you feel really lucky to be a part of. But the two that really the, 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 that spoke to me that I remember is, is um, God, was it? Oh, was it 07? I, I don't even remember. It was when Kosuke Fugadome tied it up and the, the, the stands, nobody had left. The Cubs were down. He tied it up in the ninth inning and the Cubs ended up losing in extra innings, but like nobody left. Everybody was there. And, and, and you see the highlights. It was just complete delirium. I remember that. And we actually thought we had somebody really special in Kosuke. And, and, and I went out and got a Kosuke uh, uh, jersey with, uh, with uh, like the authentic Japanese lettering on the back and, uh, I don't think I've dusted that thing off in a decade, but anyway, that was the one, but the, the, the most special one for me, and this was Edgar's most special one as well. Um, it was 17. It was being out there um, for the flag raising. It was being out there as, as they, they walked in with the trophy. It was being out there, you know, the first time since, you know, that game seven in Cleveland, the very first game um, and that special moment and, and just the realization and seeing, you know, seeing, you know, your world series champion, Chicago Cubs, you know, you know, not a lot of people have been opening day the day after, um, you know, the first game back. And I was able to go to that one and it was special and it felt special. Um, and uh, it's something I will never forget. Yeah, well, that, that's fantastic. And just keep the tradition going. That's all I can say. There's nothing like opening day as far as I'm concerned. It, it really uh, just holds a special place in, in my heart and, and yours as well. So that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. Our thanks to Boog Shambi for joining us in part one of our interview. For Chad, I am Ryan. We appreciate you listening as always, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. It's for real this time, guys. See you at the ballpark. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed. The first time you walk into Wrigley